This week's episode of Recruiter Radio, a chat with Scott Love. It's early morning. Hard to get the day started with the right intention. Dr. Love has the prescription. Welcome back to Recruiter Radio. This week's special guest, delighted to have with me Scott Love, former trainer of recruiters, my favorite NLE presenter. Uh, Scott is now uh, recruiting partners for law firms across uh, North America and uh, and hosting his own podcast. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to be a guest on my podcast, Scott. Thank always, you, Always loved your, your presentation style. And the thing that really stands out for me is essentially the way that you speak and the way that you get people engaged. You have a very distinct uh, style and cadence and rhythm to your speech. And I, and I wanted to, to ask you, you know, as I, as I sort of warm up to the day and, and, and get thinking about who I'm going to call and, and, and how the, you know, how the day is going to plan out, how do you get to that peak level of enthusiasm where you can draw people in to your conversation. I mean, how do you, how do you get ready for the day? How, how do yeah. you get up to that? To that sure. Peak? And first, thanks for having me on as a guest. It's an honor. I appreciate that. I heard the one that you did with Jordan Rayboy and he's just awesome. You know, I hope to someday be in that category of recruiting. He's and, uh, and, and regarding your question, how do I start my day? I just show up and I do a lot of my planning the night before I have pretty much every hour of my day blocked out in terms of what I'm focusing on. But a lot of it is with my candidates, my clients, and, and I've been recruiting partners for about 11 years for big law firms. A few years, I got distracted back on my training business, was able to jettison that and focus back full on on recruiting. And the reason I did that was because I like speaking in front of an audience, but I don't like the travel. I don't like being gone. And for me, it was a matter of what should I do? Should I speak or should I do recruiting? And with recruiting, I'm home a lot more. And I, I got to the point where I looked at no matter what you want to be, uh, no matter what you want to do in life, if you want to be number one in the world, it's going to be a stinking grind. There's going to be some part of that that's just going to be a grind. If you want to be an Olympic athlete? The practice, 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 practice. Same thing as a professional musician. Practice, practice, practice. You ever meet a professional musician, someone that's at the top of their game? Ask them, how many hours a day do you practice? Probably about six or seven minimum. I mean, you really got to practice? You're number one in the world, you know? And so yeah. no matter what you're going to do in the world, if you want to be number one in the world, you got to put the time in. you got to realize that it is a grind. And for me, the grind was making the calls. And that's the part that I absolutely love the most is those conversations with the people that I talk to. And I talk to a very sophisticated, very guarded, untrusting Candidate base partners with big law firms. These people got headhunters chasing them all the time. Everybody wants to sell stuff to them. So for me, it's a matter of what's my value. And uh, the placements I've made are significant in that, not necessarily in terms of fee, although the fees are good, but it's just the fact that if this person went to the wrong firm, it would pretty much end their career. And I've seen some placements that didn't turn out too well. One of them in particular was just tragic. 
And so I learned from that. And it wasn't my fault. It wasn't the candidate's fault. It wasn't the firm's fault. It just wasn't a good fit. So I've learned to really cherish that. And someone asked me, they said, what's the biggest rush you get from doing the deals you do? Is it the fees? And I'm like, no. I said, you know, the biggest rush for me is earning the trust, earning the trust of someone from a cold call. And all my calls start with the cold call. I got two people that work for me where they tee up those calls. And so it's a little bit warmish for me, but they're making them cold. And being able to build that rapport, build that trust so that within about five or six minutes, let me close my door. Let me tell you what's really going on. And so for me, it's knowing that I've got people where I can impact them significantly. And that's a motivator for me. And, you know, there's different ways to do this business. There's some people, you know, and I'm not going to say one way is better than the other. There's some people that are just, you know, like a rock and roll headhunting outfit, always be closing. That's fine. You know, I just like the fact that this has meaning, that this is a very significant uh, part of someone's career, that they're going to make a move and that'll probably be the only move that they make. So for me, Kyle, that's what I think about in terms of what motivates me, what gets me started, what gets me excited about the day. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a really good point that you make. This has incredible meaning for people. I equate it to your second most meaningful relationship in your life. And if you're a career lawyer and a partner at a law firm, you're probably putting more effort into your professional relationships than you are your personal relationships. Mm -hmm. So to get someone to open up, listen, trust you must be incredibly difficult. Uh, you know, lawyers have to be very guarded in their feelings and you know, are not going to be easy to, to share with. But you have a style that gets people to trust you, gets people to open up to you. You're eminently likable. Uh, how do you do it? How do you jump through the phone at people with your voice to get them to like you so quickly? I think a lot of it starts with my intention, where I have this mantra and this is stuff that I used to teach where I would come into recruiting offices. I've been in 125 different recruiting offices in the country, over 4,500 recruiting companies and staffing companies in the world bought my stuff from 36 countries. You know, so I've, I've studied this. I've taught it, but I've really studied it. And I would start my day with a series of mantras. And I would teach people this because if you think of your performance, think of it as you're an athlete, your performance on the field is impacted by your state. What is that? It's your emotional state. So you've got to put yourself in a frame of uh, emotional contentment, knowing that the stress isn't getting at you and being able to manage those emotions. And in this business, you know, it is an emotional roller coaster. You have to manage those. And there is this one seminar, I would, the topic I would talk about, I would call it the placement pill. I would say, what's the one thing you should do as soon as you make a placement? Make another call. Why is that? Well, the call is going to be better. Well, what's changed? Have you learned more since the last placement? Have your skills improved? No. What is it? It's the emotion. And I would ask through question asking, I would have people tell me it's the emotion. And I would say, so then you're telling me your emotions affect your performance. What if we could pop a pill and it would change our emotional state? And I would teach people this, that your mind, your emotions really come from chemicals in your brain. And you can change your thoughts to change the chemicals to affect a certain emotional state. And so I, and this is what I do. I would tell myself a series of mantras. Today is going to be the most exciting day of my life. Mm. First thing I say, everything I touch turns to gold. I expect it. I expect everything I touch to turn to gold. 
That doesn't always, I'm not going to let that bother me. I'm going to detach from that. But I expect it. Then I say, everybody I talk to wants to do business with me. Mm-hmm. Where it's an expectation. I'm expecting you, Mr. Chairman, to take my call. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth is almost like a prayer where put me in the path of those whom I can serve where I want to be in the path of those people at the right time in their lives, I can be a resource for them. And if you think about what recruiting is all about, it's not about me convincing you to take a meeting, although there is some salesmanship associated with that. But it's a matter of me earning your trust. So you tell me two things. What are your intrinsic motivations to leave your company and what do your ideal optimal outcomes look like? And I want to channel that self-interest so it aligns with my law firm client strategy. And so I pretty much tell people, I say, my job is to guide you to a place that can help you. And if I can't help you, that's okay. I mean, you, I may know even other recruiters who can help you and I'd be happy to refer you to. So I take away the self-interest there. But ironically, by doing that, I think that people drop the walls and they start trusting you. And so I think it starts with your intention card knowing that it's not just, and I tell candidate, I told a candidate yesterday, you know, new candidate, she's got a big book, she wants to move, and she's made the decision she wants to move. And I talk about my process. This is what you can expect from me at this point. And then I tell her, I say, it's not about me, it's about you. It's not the Scott show. It's about you mm-hmm. making that decision that benefits you. And if at any point you don't want to go forward with me, that's okay. If I present an opportunity to you that's not what you want, tell me that. Be honest with me. I'll be honest with you, that's all I ask from you. And so I kind of make a, a, a contract with this person that we're going to work together as a team. So I think a lot of it kind of just starts with the intention. And I think that uh, selfishness and hubris are things that all of us need to watch out for. I think you need to have a confidence level that goes right up to the point of arrogance and it stops and it doesn't go over that. Where you have to realize that Uh, like I tell the candidates, that my job is to create a mutual satisfaction of needs between you and my client. And that's the only thing that counts. So I think uh, knowing that what we do, we can be a resource to those people. And I'll tell you where I got this idea from. This was uh, probably my second year in the business. And you've probably had counteroffers take place, right? Absolutely. You know, I remember I had three in a day. (laughs) Three counteroffers in a day. That was a bad day. That's a bad. It was one of those days where I'm like, I'm crying, and I'm, I'm crying so bad. I'm like, man, my abs are going to look so good. I'm crying so hard. <laughs> and and, uh, and I remember realizing, I said, you know, I said, damn it, they're just going to do what they're going to do. At the end of the day, they're just going to do whatever they're going to do. They're so selfish. And a light bulb went on, and I realized, ding, 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 ding. That's what I need to do is just admit that and not fight it and try to identify what is that self-interest and harness that and use that self-interest and channel it to guide the deal forward. And that was in 2000, uh, it was about 2000. I've been recruiting since 95. I started with the firm. I was there for a few months. It was, you know, kind of a weird firm. Uh, the owner didn't pay me commissions. It's the traditional story that you hear. Yeah. Uh, honored my non-compete, started my own firm in a one-bedroom apartment on literally a folding card table. (laughs) I didn't even know this was a thing, Kyle. You know, I didn't even know that recruiting was an industry. And, uh, but so I've been doing this a long time, but when I realized that they're going to do what's in their own best interests, 
we can't fight it. We need to identify that and give them permission not to work with us if we can't help them. But if we can, then let's have an alliance. Let's yeah. have some sort of a commitment to each other. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're all emotional creatures. Uh, it is an emotional roller coaster, the recruiting industry. The, uh, the logic of making a move often is fueled by the emotion. And, and I think that's where, uh, that's where you found your, your strength to, uh, to enable that logic, I think. Because you, going back to something you said, uh, put me in the path of those whom I can serve. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a beautiful, beautiful statement of intent, a message to, to carry forward you are leading by service. Is that, is that how you look at it? Like, yeah. Is that what really enables you to connect with people on an emotional level, do you think? I think so. I think uh, a lot of it has to do with the intention, but then you've also got the skill. And someone asked me, well, how can I become a better listener? And I said, ask better questions. Yeah. And I learned this getting into legal 11 years ago. I didn't know anything. I've never done a partner placement. I consulted to a lot of legal recruiting firms, which is what, you know, and have, and if I could go back in time, I don't know if I would have gotten into legal because yeah. it's pretty brutal. It is. It must be. You know, yeah. And everybody's, oh, I want to do big fees. I'm like, well, are you willing to go two years without earning an income? If you're not, you know, because that can happen. Yeah. And so I think with um, the skill part of it, you have to learn how to ask intelligent questions. What I learned was that, People make judgments about you based on the quality of questions that you ask. Mm-hmm. So communication skills, it's mostly listening. It's like 80% listening and about 20% talking. Mm-hmm. And about half of that talking is asking questions that lead them to the point where they decide they want to work with you and they know that you're only committed to one thing, helping them get what they want. Mm-hmm. And with the niche I recruit in, they can smell out a phony. They can smell out the smarmy, unctuous, slimy headhunters. Yeah. You know, I mean, I call myself a headhunter, not a slimy one, but I'm a headhunter, <laughs> I'm a high stakes headhunter, because yeah. that is what we are. Mm-hmm. But I think the skills, uh, one thing I'll tell you, I remember years ago, I was working in a different niche, and there was a, a very good candidate I placed who referred people to me, which was great, and he referred a construction company owner to me. And he said, Scott, I was referred to you by so-and-so, and we have a high-level position. We have a CFO we're looking for within our construction company. Can you help us? And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be easy. This is a shoo-in because I got the call. I'm like, oh, you know, let me tell you why you should work with me. And I went into my spiel, and at the end of my spiel, Kyle, he said this. He said, did you know that you said the word um 55 times just now? 55. He was, what was he doing? He was counting. He had a pen and he was doing hash marks. Oh, no. And that shocked me because I thought, oh, I'm a good communicator. And that shocked me. That was like in the late 90s, early on. And I realized that there was too much space I was trying to fill with noise. And I learned that what that means if people say, um, and if you've never recorded yourself before, anybody that's listening, listen to some of your calls. How do you really sound? You're going to cringe. I promise you, but that's how you get better. Listen to how you really sound when you talk to people. And if you say the word, um, or, you know, or, um, or, uh, that means that you're focusing too much on the noise, focus on the words. And what I would do, I would focus on the last syllable of each word. And that kind of helped me to be a little bit more precise in my speech. And plus you sound more articulate that way as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's what comes through in the way that you talk. Is there a speaker that you try to emulate? Are you a big Bill Shatner fan by any chance? Sorry, <laughs> Bill Shatner. Is that the uh... <laughs> Captain Kirk? Oh, okay. I was, I was like, okay, yeah, no, I, yeah, sure. Who doesn't like Captain Kirk? <laughs> you know, where every word is its own sentence. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he has that precise <laughs> way of biting off every syllable. You know, it's very, it's very distinct. It's a very distinct <laughs> way of speaking. Uh, you know, but the pauses, the long pauses between words, you you don't need to fill them. That's right. To your point, and if you let the words hang out there a little bit, without needing to fill it with a, yeah, you know, um, you know, some some filler, you know, some some something in there, you know, you're, right. and all of a sudden you're stuttering and you're mumbling and you're 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 off the. Uh, you're, you're off the attention span of these people, and it's very difficult to get to get people's attention in a cold call in a short short time, where they're predisposed to not like you, because right. nobody right. Re nobody really likes headhunters until you get to a point where you need them. That's absolutely right, and I think that's what we have to realize is that we're not everything to all people, and we have to lose the right to entitlement, even the entitlement of closure. My candidate's ghosting me. My candidate's not calling me back. What should I do? Well, no answer is your answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's your answer. Yeah. Why is that? Because people do it in their own self-interest. I had one deal that was closing, and I knew it wasn't closing. And then the final question to the candidate was, have you and so-and-so talked? And she never responded to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to call her and say, so what's going on? I'd appreciate the professional courtesy of a response. Like you, I'm a professional and deserve the courtesy. No, no. You can't guilt trip people into compliance. No. They're going to do what they're going to do. As soon as you do that, as soon as you apply pressure, they're going to push back or they're going to disappear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people will do what's in their own best interests. All we can do is guide them along the path and, and do it in a way that has empathy, has meaning, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and connect with them on a real level. It's a, it's a beautiful message, uh, Scott. I really appreciate you sharing it. You know, it's it's uh, one of the one of the things that I've been trying to do talking to recruiters is talk about how we elevate the industry. And I think you've pointed out quite a few different things that uh, really ennoble the profession. So I want to congratulate you for that and and, and thank you for that. And I'm going to start my uh, start my day uh, in the same way put me in the path of those who I can serve. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Scott. That's all about. Thank you, Scott, for your time. It's really a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, Kyle. Bye for now.